America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA, from Alaska to Florida, all the way to Hawaii. Our producer today, Miss Alicia Cox. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. 294 affiliates strong all across the country. We thank all of you. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can do that at America's Healthcare Advocate. That's America's Healthcare Advocate. That's a Facebook page. Also, all these shows are posted on the podcast platform SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, Apple Play, and Spotify. We're getting a lot of people listening to our podcast, so we're pretty excited about that. You know, in addition to the radio show, we've got a huge following now. A lot of people listening to the uh, podcast platforms. It's pretty exciting. So you, you hear a show, you want to tell somebody about this one today. It's going to be very, very interesting. You know, we're talking about spine and back injury and treatment. We're very fortunate to have with us Dr. Leon Anjadar. We're going to talk with here throughout the show today about this. So if you hear this, you want to go back and tell somebody about it. Maybe somebody in your family is having an issue or a friend. You can go back up on those podcast platforms and all the shows are posted up there. If you are looking for health insurance and you need help, if you're chronologically challenged looking at Medicare, you can always contact the lovely Joyce Thompson at 877-385-2224. That's 877-385-2224. She'll be happy to help you with Medicare or individual health insurance. And if you're looking for group health insurance, employer-sponsored health care, Jim Lodge is happy to help you at RPS BBDI. They are a national company. They do a great job and um, probably recognize part of that name because part of it used to be mine. So if you want help, um, those folks are happy to help you. Also, our website, healthradio.us healthradio.us. If you have a question or a comment or I can help you with something, we had a lady the other day whose son was on disability. She wanted to try to get him on Medicare. Um, Joyce was able to take care of that. Uh, So if you have a question or something I can help you with about insurance or a health issue, please feel free uh, to reach out to us. All right. Joining us today by phone from Miami, Florida, Dr. Leon Anajar. Welcome, doctor. Happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Well, I think we're going to have a, a real good show today because we're going to be able to talk about, the, the, you know, we've done shows like this before, folks, on different topics. You may recall Dr. Sperling uh, and the Sperling Prostate uh, Cancer Treatment Center uh, in Florida. We did a number of shows with him. We got a lot of feedback on those shows. A lot of people uh, thought that was going to be very helpful. Then we actually had some people in Kansas City fly down there to get treatment. This is similar well, to that in in terms of you know how they operate and what they do. It's a very different treatment program, um, and I think you're going to enjoy learning about it. And that's why we're doing this. So, Dr. Anajar is a board board certified anesthesiologist and interventional pain management specialist who strongly believes that every person deserves to live a high quality pain free life. He performs a full spectrum of pain management services. Uh, ranging from regenerative therapies to epidural steroid injections and minimally invasive procedures to treat lower back pain, cervical neck pain, and conditions like peripheral neuropathy and complex regional pain symptoms. Dr. Anajar studied neuroscience and behavioral biology at Emory University. He went on to earn his medical degree at the University of South Florida, uh, and he has published a number of articles on biomechanics and surgical oncology and medical information. His residency was done at the University of Florida, Gainesville, Florida. 
obviously well qualified in this field, doctor. So let's just start off with, you know, I, I went up and I did a little research on you and looked around and, and it was kind of interesting. Um, some of the comments I saw um, were, were, were uh, that one of the things that really stuck out to me was that, that you actually treat the pain, you don't try to cover it up. One of the ladies who was one of your patients wrote that uh, on a review. So let's kind of start with what you do, how it is different, um, and then we can you know talk about some of the other things, like the difference between what you do and what surgeons do and what that conflict looks like. So let's start off with that, doctor. Yeah, sure. First off, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here and to you know have the opportunity to share what I do with with your view with your viewers and your listeners. Um, so I would say the biggest difference between what an interventional pain physician does and what the spine surgeon does is interventional pain physicians. So let me take a step back like this. If you go back about twenty years, interventional pain doctors really were just doing one or two injections, maybe prescribing some pain medication. And then once that kind of exhausted the, 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 the symptomatic relief, they were then referred, the patient was then referred to a spine surgeon for some more advanced therapy. And this is specifically the spine patient. In the last five or 10 years, there have been massive innovations in the field. You now have the opportunity and the option to have something that's more than an injection, but less than a spine fusion to help address what's one of the more common causes of low back pain. And that's um, typically spinal stenosis or lumbar disc herniations. In the neck, patients that have had, you know, chronic migraines for decades and have tried and failed every type of over-the-counter and conservative therapy now have the option to directly treat the nerves that are causing their chronic migraines. We have patients, I had one particular patient that, I just, that I'm just remembering now. This guy was in the Navy, the Navy uh, submarine captain for about 25 years. He had injured every bone in his body to the point where he couldn't even raise his arm to brush his teeth. He was subsequently referred to me by his primary care doctor because he had been seen by every orthopedic surgeon in Miami. Nobody wanted to operate on him because they felt he was too high risk because of the other comorbidities. But I knew that, you know, if I could just get him to raise his arm and, you know, do normal daily activities, it would improve his quality of life pretty considerably. So now there's a new therapy that came out about four to seven years ago called peripheral nerve stimulation, where we can actually place kind of like a pacemaker wire over the nerves of the shoulder to turn them on and off so that when he raises his arm, his pain, his appreciation of the pain is significantly less. We did that for him. I saw him in clinic a few weeks ago, and he was, you know, kind of in a funny way. He was like taking his hat off to show me how he was able to, to improve his range of motion afterwards. And this is a patient that you know, it was far too sick for surgery, but this small procedure really made the biggest difference in his quality of life. So those are the, the things that get me excited and, you know, the, the different options and opportunities that patients have to get better now. You know, that, that's really interesting because the, you know, the other thing I think about, and, and because back surgeries have a success ratio that is, uh, in, at least the last time I checked, is typically around about 50 or 60 percent. Is that reasonably correct to assume that? Uh, the problem, the problem with those kind of stats, unfortunately, is that I don't know that they parse it out uh, based on the indication for the back surgery or for the type of physician performing that back surgery. You know, if you have a back problem, like let's say you have a uh, a uh, fracture in your spine or you have significant uh, disc herniation, 
you know, if, if you go to a, to a well-trained spine surgeon, you're probably going to get better, right? The types of problems that we have is that physicians were probably over-treating conditions that didn't require back surgery. And now we're learning that. So as a result, research is now being done on which patients benefit from which procedures. So as before, you were doing the same four or five types of surgeries for all people and not getting the best results. Now, spine surgeons are much more reluctant to offer large surgeries to patients for relatively minor conditions. They're saying, hey, you know, if you would have come to me 10 years ago, I probably would have done a lumbar fusion because that's all I had. But now, why don't we try X, Y, and Z? Why don't I refer you to Dr. Anajar? He, he, he can do a minimally invasive distraction device, which is a, kind of like a little mini card jack that you put in the, in the posterior element of your spine to open up the space and allow the nerves to breathe a little bit better. Maybe that'll give you some relief. And if you don't do better with that, why don't you come back and then we can talk about other options. But now there's an appreciation for the variety and the breadth of opportunities, opportunities and options available to patients that just weren't around 10 years ago. Like back pain used to be, you know, the redheaded stepchild of medicine. Nobody wants to take care of back pain patients. But it's such a huge, untapped uh, population of patients that were just suffering. And now there's really good ways that we can treat them. And I can tell you, you know, a million stories. I can tell you one about my dad and his knee. We can get to that later if you're interested in. It, that that's fascinating, and 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 it, it you you know I've I've talked about this on the broadcast before in terms of cancer, and as we've had a number of cancer specialists on doctors who are renowned for their treatment in different facilities, and where we've come in the last ten years with cancer is remarkable. This is extremely similar to that, but I think it's something that's not that well known. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really glad you're doing this today is because we're able to get this information out to people and, and talk about the therapies and what you're doing. So when we come back to the break, we're going to continue this conversation. I'm going to ask doctor to talk about, let's see if I can pronounce this, percutaneous sacroiliac joint fusions. Did I get that right, doctor? Yeah, that was perfect. Was it? <laughs> That's remarkable. Usually I step, Alicia is laughing over here and so is Lori. Okay. All right. So when I come back <laughs> to the break, we're going to talk more about that. We'll talk about some of these specific treatments and again, how they differ than going in to have surgery and taking medications. If you want to learn more about doctor, go to his website, leonanajarmd.com. And that's spelled A-N-A-J-A-R. LeonAnajarMD.com is his website. All his information is up there. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. We've got more. Stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, healthradio.us, healthradio.us. All right, producer day, the always perfect Miss Alicia Cox. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Joining us by phone from Miami, Florida, Dr. Leon Anajar, uh, who is a specialist in the treatment of back pain, these other issues, uh, and, and we're talking about all the different treatments that they do, how they do them, and how they differ um, from surgeries and the advances that have been made in the last 10 years. His website, which I got wrong the last time, is leonanajarmd.com, 
And it's, his last name is spelled A-N-I-J-A-R-M-D.com, MD.com. if you want to go up and learn more about what he does and how he does it and the alternatives to treatment. All right, doctor, I'm not going to do that tongue twister again because I'm sure I'll screw it up this time. So why, <laughs> why don't you tell us about uh, the percutaneous, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and what that actually means and what that treatment is like. Yeah, so um, if you look back at the history of orthopedic and spine surgeries, typically it involved uh, relatively large uh, dissections, incisions, distractions, and then instrumentation. All that means is to say that it used to take a lot of work to do large orthopedic surgeries, and they still do require a lot of work. Um, In the last five or ten years, uh, a lot of research has been done on what can be manipulated, addressed with the least amount of distraction of the patient's underlying anatomy. And to that end, there are these new devices. One of them that you mentioned, a sacroiliac joint fusion or a percutaneous sacroiliac joint fusion, used to previously be done with uh, large nails that would go through the side of the hip and then try to fuse the sacroiliac joint. And the sacroiliac joint, to give your viewer some context, is basically the joint that connects your tailbone to a part of your pelvis. Oh, oh, stop. I'm going to stop you right there. I want you to go back and repeat what you just said. Large what? Large nails and screws, yeah. That, 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 yeah, they're cringing in here in the studio. I just want no, you to know. Okay. okay. No, it's okay. Yeah, large <laughs> nails and it, screws. It, okay, so this procedure we're talking about is changes the need to do that, I'm guessing? Correct, yeah. So what, what, they, what they discovered is that, you know, uh, if you want to fuse a joint, you, 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 can, you can do it without a lot of hardware. You can do it by placing um, um, something called a cadaver allograph, which just means a piece of bone into the joint, and then the body will naturally absorb that bone and fuse the joint naturally. So when you go back in a few months and you take an x-ray of that joint, the joint will be gone. It'll just be one big piece of bone. And that is a permanent fusion that can be done for the patient that doesn't compromise their flexibility or mobility, that can address the pain that's coming from that joint, and that can be done with a very small incision about the size of your thumbnail um, in an outpatient surgery setting where the patient goes home that day, as opposed to having to stay in the hospital and do a lot of rehab. My God, that's amazing. I mean, that is absolutely amazing to contrast that with what the treatment was before using screws yeah. and nails versus this. And, and is this, once this is in place, is it a permanent fix or do you mm-hmm. go back 10 years later? Or how, uh, how, how does all that work, doctor? No, it's permanent, meaning that a patient lives with it for the rest of their life. They, they die with it. They, um, they don't need to have it removed or revised. The nice thing about it as well is let's say um, there's a complication that arises in, in the context of the old way of doing things where you would place those rods and screws. Excuse me. Let's say that patient got infected. In order to address that infection, you have to remove all that hardware, oh my give the patient long-term God. antibiotics, and then deal with the consequences of deconstructing that patient's pelvis. In this scenario, if the patient has a small infection, it's just treated with over-the-counter antibiotics that, uh, not over-the-counter, but with prescription antibiotics. Right. And the infection resolved. Nothing needs to be removed. So it doesn't require, the, 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 the risk profile of the procedure is very tolerable. That is absolutely remarkable. So, so to summarize it, basically, you're not using any of this hardware and putting this hardware in, 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 in a person's body uh, to solve Correct. the problem. That the risk of infection or reinfection after the surgery drops to what ten percent, if that? Oh, less than one percent. Oh my, 
That is absolutely remarkable. And it's a it's a it's a same day procedure and you're out of the hospital on the same day, outpatient. Yeah, it's not even done in a hospital, it's done in a surgery center typically, which is like an ambulatory operating room. That is absolutely remarkable. How long has that treatment been available? I mean, I, I don't know the exact uh, the exact year that the the surgery became an option, but I do know that it's gained a lot of momentum in the last few years, in large part because when it first came out, it was predominantly marketed towards orthopedic surgeons and spine surgeons. And, you know, just like any field, like any industry, there's always reluctance to adopt new technologies, and it just didn't gain much traction. Um, and then when, when that occurred, a lot of interventional pain and spine guys were like, well, you know, I'm pretty good with doing these types of procedures. You know, I know how to, I know how to access a joint. Let me see if I can uh, let me see if I if I can provide value to my patients with it, and they did, and they ran with it. Uh, the best comparison to make to what's going on now is uh, looking at what cardiologists and cardiac surgeons went through in the '80s. It used to be, if you go back to the '80s, if you had um, a coronary artery disease, you went to a cardiologist, they gave you some medication, but then after that, you needed open heart surgery. You had to get a you have to get a coronary artery bypass, right? right. Which is a large. Right large yeah. procedure. Right. Now, if you have coronary artery disease, you go to a cardiologist and they do a stent, typically either through your wrist or through your groin, and you're out of the hospital that day or the following day without having your chest cracked. And that's very similar to what's going on now with uh, orthopedic spine surgery, interventional pain and spine. That is absolutely remarkable. That, 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 that's a great um, analogy, the way you, you know, compared the two. Uh, that is quite remarkable, absolutely remarkable. <laughs> the, the advances that, that have gone on now um, you know, in treating these spine and back issues just seem to be this, uh, surprising, <laughs> very, very surprising for us to hear all of this uh, and, and how different it is from what it used to be. Yeah, no, and you know, something I just want to also leave your viewers with is to remember that, you know, just because back surgery is scary, that doesn't mean that it's not indicated. What probably happened back in, what probably happened, you know, in the last in the last decade or so, is that it was being overutilized because there weren't other options available. Right? right. You only had a few injections you could do, a few medications you could take, and then the surgeons only had so many surgeries they could offer you. Now that you have more than an injection, but less than a big surgery, you have a whole other cohort of patients that you can treat effectively without subjecting them to repeat injections or to a large complicated surgery. And yeah. that's kind of where interventional pain and spine fits in. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is I'm sure that has an effect on the success ratio that surgeons are having because they're not using, you know, as you said, three or four procedures for everybody uh, that, that don't necessarily work for everybody. Now you've got a host of different interventions you can do, and they are significantly different, especially, uh, you know, when you're talking about these minimally, minimally invasive surgical procedures and the recovery time and the infection time. It's really quite remarkable. When we come back from the break, we're going to continue this fascinating conversation with Dr. Leon Anajar. I hope you're learning from this today because this, the purpose of doing these kind of shows is to expose you to information you typically would not get. I've been doing radio for 16 years in, on medical topics, and this is something I have never heard of. So believe me, I think this is a, a very helpful to all of you out there to be hearing this. If you want to learn more, go to the website leonanajarmd.com. That's spelled A-N-A-I-J-A-R. I keep getting this wrong. A-N-I-J-A-R. LeonAnajarMD.com is the website. If you want more, uh, go up there. If you want more information, you can get a lot of information from, uh, from the website. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIE radio network, coast to coast across the USA. We've got more of the doctors in the house. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website healthradio.us. My producer, Ms. Alicia Cox, I'm your host, Carrie Hall. You're hearing this. Maybe you've got somebody in your family that's suffering from this problem, or you've got a friend or somebody you go to church with, whatever the case may be. Um, just go to the podcast platform. You don't have to try to regurgitate all this. This is like drinking from a fire hose listening to Dr. Anadar because he's got so much information here. Go up to the podcast platform, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Spotify, TuneIn. Uh, it, it, there, it, it, the show's posted on all those platforms, and you can tell somebody to listen to it, and, and they can benefit from this. That's the best way to do this if you want to pass that information along to somebody else. Dr. Anajar's website is leonanajarmd.com. Leonanajarmd.com is the website. All his information is up there. If you want to reach out to him or connect with him, you can do that on the website. So, Doctor, let's move on and talk about invasive lumbar decompressions and intraspinosis spacer devices. Can you talk a little bit about those and how those are used and, and, and what are the effects and, and, and how, how do they function, doctor? Yeah, so you know, a, a very common problem that affects people as they age is significant back pain and leg weakness. Now, there are multiple causes of that, but a very common cause, at least in the United States, is narrowing of the spine and the subsequent pressure that placed on the nerves that control your leg. That narrowing of the spine is called central canal stenosis. All that means is that the nerves have less space have less space to move and breathe. And as a result, you get weakening of your thigh muscles, you get increased lethargy or fatigue when you walk long distances, and you kind of feel this kind of like aching sensation in your legs. That's why as we age, we tend to lean forward a little bit more. We tend to uh, adopt a hunched-over appearance. And that's in large part because our body is naturally trying to open up that space. When we lean forward, we open up that space slightly. I think you'll also notice that people, as they age, they kind of know where all the benches are. They know where all the, the seats are in a particular area, and they know that, okay, if I walk this far, I have to make sure that there's a seat waiting for me. And one of the ways that that was previously addressed is with something called a decompression infusion, where you would remove the bones of the back that were p- placing pressure on the spine and then fuse those bones to keep them in place. Because once you remove the bone, you're destabilizing the spine, so now you have to stabilize it with external hardware. And that, that's a great option for patients that have severe central canal stenosis. But the vast majority of people don't have severe central canal stenosis. The vast majority of people have mild to moderate stenosis. That means people that can walk several blocks, maybe even a few miles before their legs get weak, but don't qualify for a more advanced procedure that would you know, uh, involve a significant amount of surgical dissection. For those patients, mild to moderate, there were only really two options. It was either physical therapy and rehab or some kind of an injection. Because most surgeons, if they, if they recommended them a surgery, they probably didn't do well for those surgeries. It's a little bit too much for them. Or they would say they're just not good candidates for surgery. So as a result, a lot of research was done on how to treat patients with mild to moderate stenosis. And they developed these minimally invasive interspinous spacer devices. All it is is a little mini car jack. It looks almost like, a, like, a, like two arms lifting things in opposite directions that go in between the bones of your back and literally crank them open slightly so that the nerves have a little bit more space to breathe. And what that does is that it provides the patient with enough um, decompression, enough relief, that they can now walk longer distances, they can feel less fatigue in their legs, they have less achiness in their legs. And, you know, for a lot of patients, um, this is really an excellent option as a bridge between some kind of an injection versus some kind of big surgery. 
because if the injections aren't working and the patient doesn't want to try surgery, this is something that could really give them a lot of good relief. That is remarkable. When this is surgically inserted, how big is the incision and, and the procedure? Is it like outpatient like the other ones? Or is, Correct. Are you, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an outpatient procedure. You go home the same day. The incision is small. I, I would say it's probably no larger than the cap of a pen, wow. like maybe an inch or oh two. If that. That's amazing. And, and the device, once that's in place, does it stay forever? Do you go back if you need to replace it, or how does all that work? It can stay forever. Um, usually one of two things will happen. Either the patient will do excellent, right, and they won't have any, any need to have it revised, or their disease will continue to progress, and they'll need to come back to have an additional device placed. Or they'll, you know, get into an accident or their disease is significantly worse and they go to have a formal spine surgery. Now, the nice thing about this option for patients is that there's no, there's no screws implanted. There's no bone removed. There's no drilling that occurs. If this needs to be removed, it's a very simple procedure to remove it. Whereas if you get a lumbar fusion, the process of removing a lumbar fusion is oftentimes more extensive than the process of implanting a lumbar fusion. So for this, if a patient needs something more done later in life, it's very easily reversible. What a remarkable, that's absolutely remarkable. I mean, to, 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 to look at that versus the spinal fusion, the risk, the infection, the, the, you know, the recovery time, you know, the, the pain management after you go through this versus what you're talking about is like night and day. At least that's what it yeah. sounds like, doctor. Yeah, I mean, it, it's important to remember that the, the, the way that physicians think impacts the treatments that they offer. And I think it's important for patients to understand that perspective when they're meeting with a physician. Now, there are big surgeries that are indicated for, for patients with big problems, right? But that doesn't mean that that's the only option available to you. So when you're meeting with a surgeon or when you're meeting with an interventional pain physician, you should remember that they're going to they're gonna provide you with a recommendation that's within their wheelhouse. So if you only go to a, a, a spine surgeon that only does complex spine surgeries and these isn't the, it doesn't work with a pain physician or doesn't know any pain physicians, he's either going to offer you nothing or offer you a big spine surgery. If you go to a pain physician that doesn't do these procedures or doesn't work with a spine surgeon or work with a doctor that does these procedures, they're going to offer you an injection or medication or nothing. So you have to go to somebody that is aware of them, that, that, is aware of these, that is aware of these options, that works with people that know how to do these options, and that knows how to guide you appropriately, I think is the best thing. You know, it's fascinating because this makes me think back to a number of years ago, and it was quite a few years ago. My wife was having some significant back issues, and we went to see a surgeon, and he had her walk down the hallway, and he watched her walk down the hallway. He came and said, okay, we're going to have to do surgery. And I've looked at that, and I'm like, Seriously? she walked down a hallway and back and you watch her. And now you're going to tell us you recommend surgery. I promptly left his office and that never happened. She started doing yoga and Pilates and basically solved her own problem uh, by doing aggressive yoga and Pilates. And she's been doing it now for the last 12, 13, 14 years. But it's fascinating to me to hear you talk about this, that a lot of this depends on who you go see. And so I, my natural conclusion to this is if you if you go see a surgeon that's the first thing they say to you it might behoove you to get a second opinion am i right or wrong yeah i mean i think there is no greater advocate for your health care than you or your loved ones right so if you're if you're caring which i'm sure a lot of your listeners are they're caring for their elderly family or for a loved one that has these problems you know that person is going to be the best advocate for that patient's health care so it, the same way you, you look at multiple houses before you buy a house and you look at, you try, you test drive multiple cars before you buy a car, it, I don't know any physician worth his salt that is going to take any issue with you getting a second opinion. 
Most of the time, what they'll say is, please do. Here's a list of people that I recommend. Or, you know, you're welcome to go to anybody else that you like. That That's my approach. I never have any problem with a patient getting a second, third, or fourth opinion. And I, often, I, I encourage it even because I know that the recommendations that I give my patients is the same recommendation I would give my own family. So I'm one to stand by those recommendations. And if, I'm very confident if you go to a reputable physician, they'll, they'll recommend same or similar treatments for you. That's, that's, that, that, I think that's really sound advice. It's good advice for our listeners to know that, um, you know, if, if you are skeptical, if, if, even if you're, you know, if you have a concern about, do I want to go through this, you know, or do I want to go on meds that are going to be an issue if I start sure. taking, you know, I start taking, uh, you know, pain medication and, you know, it, be, it becomes addictive or another issue, you know, you need to think about this, people. Listen to what the doctor just said, okay, uh, that you are your own best advocate. I've always believed that, okay, uh, for myself and for my family, and, and I think doctor just made that extremely clear to everybody that, you know, you your fate, to a large degree, lies in your hands, and you have to be your own advocate. That means sometimes you have to think a little bit out of the box um, and say, you know, do I? when I look at all of this, is this something I really want to do, or are there some other options out there uh, that might make more sense for me? And I think that's what we're hearing today, and um, th- this is uh, remarkably good information, doctor. It really is. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, th- just to give you a personal story, I mean, my mom needed open-heart surgery, and, you know, I took her to four or five different cardiothoracic surgeons all over the state of Florida, not because I didn't trust the first surgeon I met with, but because I wanted to have confidence that when I told my mom, yeah, mom, you really do need this type of surgery, that I was I was speaking to her with full confidence. That yeah. I said, you know, not just me, not just this surgeon, not just that surgeon, but every surgeon we've spoken with says this is a good option for you. And then whenever you decide to go forward with it, and she eventually did with the surgeon that she felt comfortable with, that you know you're going into it knowing that you've done all your homework and that you're 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 yeah. you're, uh, you're comfortable to and you're made. confident that what you've made, that you've made a good decision. That's exactly what we're telling folks today, folks. When we come back in the break, we're going to continue this fascinating conversation with Dr. Leon Anajar. His website is leonanajarmd.com. He spells that A-N-I-J-A-R. Leonanajarmd.com. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about regenerative medicine and how the doctor uses that and and how that affects his practice. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be back with the doctor with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIE Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, healthradio.us, healthradio.us. My producer, Ms. Alicia Cox. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Joining us by phone from Miami, Florida, Dr. Leon Anajar. His website, if you want, you're listening to this, right? This is an amazing amount of information with a lot of things I'm sure 99% of you out there have never heard of, okay? Uh, his website is leonanajarmd.com. You spell his last name, A-N-I-J-A-R, A-N-I-J-A-R, leonanajarmd.com. Uh, it would be very smart for you to take a look at this website. If you're, if you're experiencing this or, you're, or somebody in your family is experiencing or a friend is experiencing, you, you heard the doctor say you have to be your own advocate, and, and I'm telling you, 
that you need to, if you're, if you're dealing with these issues, you, maybe you've had surgery and it's not working or whatever the case may be, this is an alternative you should definitely consider and take a look at. And by the way, I asked Dr. Off-Air, 90% of what he does is covered by health insurance. So your health insurance will cover 90% of the procedures that doctor does. So, so doctor, let's talk a little bit about regenerative medicine here. Um, and then, and then uh, or actually before we do that, why don't you tell that story about your father that you just told us off-Air here? Oh yeah, so uh, about 15 years ago, uh, my dad was uh, standing in front of his store, and a kid on a bicycle rode into his knee. Oh, and he need yeah, oh. he broke the bone and he broke his um his, uh, his tibia, which is uh, the weight bearing part of your of your knee, and uh, he needed surgery, so he needed a, a screw placed in the bone to help secure everything. And he was doing great, you know, had no problems with it afterwards. It's a great surgeon operated on him. Um, but then a few, uh, about a year ago, he started experiencing really significant knee pain. So he went back to the surgeon. The surgeon said, look, you know, I don't know what's causing it, but it's probably the screw. We can remove the screw, and that'll fix your problem. My dad did not want to have a surgery. He is very averse to surgery. He didn't even want to have that surgery originally, but I talked him into it. So I said, okay, if you don't want to have the surgery, why don't we just deal with the pain? And if you're having pain from the nerves of your knee, let's just numb those nerves. And then if you do well with that, we can go back and uh, freeze the nerves in your knee. And these don't affect your motor function. They don't affect your ability to feel your knee. They solely address the pain associated with the, with your knee. So I did that for him. And uh, I spoke with him about two days ago, and he's, you know, back to sprinting and running and doing – he's a very active guy, doing everything he was doing previously with almost 90% pain relief. So he's doing very, very well with it. That, that's and my remarkable. Dad is not, and my dad is nobody special, believe me. I mean, he, <laughs> it's not like he's a, he's a health guru or anything. He's a regular guy that works a hard job, and he just has – he got a knee injury just like anybody else. That's, that, that's, that's remarkable. I mean, really it is. When you say freeze it – do you actually freeze it? What what is it? What is what is that? No, it, it, it's called an ablation. Um, I, I just say freeze because it's easy for most people to understand that. But we essentially stun the nerve, okay, so that it's no longer able to to transmit pain signals to your brain. That's remarkable. And and you're not taking medication. You didn't have to have the no, other. He didn't like have to have the other surgery. Yet you solved no. the problem. That's uh, that's pretty and amazing. And we do stuff. that. We do that procedure in the office. I think I gave him. Uh, just like one um, one um, a Xanax just to relax for the procedure, but that was about it. And we, we did it all in the office. That's, that's absolutely remarkable. Talk a little bit about regenerative medicine and what you're doing there and how, how, how you're using that in your practice, doctor. Yeah, so regenerative medicine is a really interesting um, a field. Uh, it's a really interesting sort of subset within our field. Uh, basically, there are uh, many injuries that people suffer that don't require much intervention or don't respond to much intervention is probably a better way to put it. You know, they do physical therapy, they do stretching, et cetera, but they don't get better. And then there's a lot of injuries that happen and patients, you know, uh, undergo the large treatment for it. So they have a big surgery or they, you know, um, have many injections. And then you know, about 80% of their symptoms have improved, but they still have residual deficits or pain. Now, the, the situation that those types of patients are in is, you know, they don't want to escalate their care. They don't want to do more surgery, but they don't want to do nothing. So what, what are the options available to them? And for soft tissue injuries, they really don't have many other options with the exception of some regenerative treatments. Now, the regenerative option is really for patients that I would, I would argue, and some, some physicians will disagree with me on this, but I, I would say patients with relatively uh, minor uh, injuries that don't that aren't indicated for which big surgeries are not indicated because if you have a big tendon tear 
or you have a huge effusion or a large meniscal injury, you should probably get evaluated by a surgeon first, okay? Once they say that, no, surgery is not a good option for you, and you still have this pain or you still have this deficit, we can consider injecting you with different therapies that can help restore the underlying anatomy that was injured prior to the accident. That, that, that's remarkable. Um, and there's a whole host of options there. There's you know, a very common one that I'm sure most, if you watch ESPN more than 10 minutes, you're going to hear them talk about platelet-rich plasma. I think Tiger Woods has had it injected into his neck. Peyton Manning's had it injected. Pretty much every athlete under the sun. I mean, Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. They get platelet-rich plasma injections into their uh, arthritic joints, into their back, into their neck, everywhere. Um, you have a, a bone marrow-derived stem cell injections. You have amniotic fluid injections. You have warden. There's a whole host of different treatments available for you. The important thing is to go to a physician that knows when and when to not escalate care for you. You don't want to go to, in my opinion, a physician that says they can fix everything with their generative medicine. But you also don't want to go to a physician who says, that's just fooey, that's not a good option for you, you need to have surgery. So it's, you got you to find somebody who knows a little bit of both. That's amazing. So, and, and these procedures, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, some of the uh, some of the athletes that have had these done, um, are, are, do, do you go back and get them every year, two years? I mean, how how does that how does it's, that how long does it last? Basis. Yeah, it's on a case by case basis. It depends on the injury. <clears throat> uh, it depends on the patient. It depends on it depends on what their expectations are. Quite honestly, you know, if a patient gets an injection, let's say I did one patient, he has significant lumbar facet joint effusions. That just means he had a lot of arthritis in his lumbar joints. I did these injections for him, um, and he did 80% better, but he wants 100%. So for him, you know, 80% is not enough. He wants to come back and get repeat injections. And, you know, I'm happy to do them for him because those are his expectations. But I have another patient that got 20% better, and they are over the moon. They're like, oh, I never thought I could feel this much better. And for them, they don't want to have another injection yeah. because they're fine with where they're at. So it's all a matter of patient expectations. Yeah, this has all been fast. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I think this, I'd, I'd love to do some more of this. I'm sure there's a lot sure. more that we could talk about. Um, you know, I, the, the, my takeaway from this, people, is this. A size 44 overcoat doesn't fit everybody. You know, you, you, you need to be willing to look, and as you heard doctors say, need to be your own advocate. Um, his website is leonanajarmd.com, and that's A-N-I-J-A-R, leonanajarmd.com. If you want information, most of what he does is covered by insurance, 90% of it, um, and I would strongly suggest you take a look at this if you're looking for options and alternatives. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish together as fools. Truer words were never spoken in our time today. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. Thank you for listening. <laughs>